Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I, I, I'm so, I, Miss Valerie, I'm so happy to see your face. There'll be hugs after this. Um, if I didn't get to hug you when you came in, just get ready, because I'm going to find you. I set my timer because Michael Dunbar said, the sermon will be 30 minutes or whatever, and then looked at me, because I have a problem with being long-winded, but I'm not going to do that to you today. Um, listen, I was thinking about this sermon today, and God was like, just talk to your family, right? Like, you guys are my family. I feel like I'm at a family reunion. I'm reorganizing all the worship team stuff. They're going to be mad at me. Um, Janice, I put your microphone over there. Anyway, um, and so, hey, listen, if, if, let me introduce myself first, because I know it's not just the people in the room, and I'm getting really caught up with people who's in the room. I'm Marcy Miller. I'm one of the ministry leaders here at the church. If I haven't met you, I hope I get to do that at some point. I think I know every single person sitting in here right now, and so I'm so excited to be able to see you all's faces. I've been in New York for a week um, and, and I feel like I've been in the twilight zone, right? Because I live in the sticks in Texas now. And so this is a different place, um, but we've had a really good time. I want to let you all know up front that I locked in the location and dates for the men's and women's retreat this week. So it's coming in person. So get ready. All that's coming out. And I'm so excited about that. We're going to start to gather back in person together. And um, the men's retreat's going to be in August and the women's in October on our normal time frame. But for the men, I need you to start training now because we're, we're going to compete we're going to be in teams, and I set up the whole course, and so get ready. That does not mean avoid me, because I will find you, but, um, but start training. Now, I'm going to go home and start training, because I'm going to come out there to do it with you all. And I, I set it up, and then I was like, I'm not sure I can do this, so maybe that's not the smartest thing. Um, but anyway, so we're going to get those things done, and we've had a great week here. I've gotten to see a lot of you all and spend time with you. And so this morning, as I was praying about talking to you today, God was like, just talk to your family about the things that I've been talking to you about, right? Because I pray for you all every day. I spend a lot of time thinking about you, a lot of time wondering what God has for you, even in Texas. I'm a master at geographical dislocation. It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference to me where I'm sitting. And so I've been thinking a lot about um, what we're supposed to be doing as a family and as a church, and what does this look like as we come into this. And so as I've been talking to you all, you all keep talking to me about this idea of reentry. Right, so things are opening. We're re-entering our lives back to some degree of normalcy. Some of us are having a much harder time with that than others are. Some of us are think it's going too slow. Some of us think it's going too fast. Some of us are still concerned, right, about what what does all the the advice mean? What should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing? Um, and I know that's it gets really confusing. And trying to make decisions not just for yourself, but for the people around you and your families. Some of you haven't seen your families in a long time, and so you're wondering, do I do that? Some of you haven't sent your kids to school, and you're wondering, what do I do, right? Trying to figure all those things out. Should I wear a mask or not, right? I personally hate the mask, but I get it. Um, I should have brought, I have this army picture. I should have brought it where I'm in this gas mask and like full, we call it Mop 4. So it has like the full thing. And we used to have to sit around in that for hours. And so I have PTSD from the mask. Right? So if you put the mask on, and it was like a Darth Vader mask. So when you breathed, you could hear it go, like it would pop, right? And so you, it was just this very claustrophobic thing. Um, and so I have PTSD from the mask, right? And so any opportunity I get, I'm taking that thing off. But I understand the protection of it, right? And what we need to do with that. So it's just this idea of how do we do all these things. So I was, I was thinking about reentry. I was thinking about the way that Jesus did things because if we look in the Gospels, and we're going to look in John today together, if we look in the Gospels, Jesus had to lead them through some really uncomfortable things, right? Sometimes when they didn't want to be out amongst because people thought they were crazy or people were in disagreement or where there was things going on that weren't um, peaceful, right? And so they, and Jesus was teaching the disciples as he went. We're going to talk a little bit about that in John this morning about 
how he prepared them, right, for what was to come. And we need to be in preparation mode now. God's saying, I never left, I never moved, but things changed on you and your humanness, and now we need to be in preparation for what's next. So what does that look like? So I want to talk to you all about that for a few minutes. I want to read to you out of John 12 real quick. Um, It's John 12, 37, and I want to talk to you about it from this aspect of looking at the world that we've really been um, subjected to over the last year in a way that probably a lot of us haven't been before because we've been sort of in this bubble of we have to do these certain things and we have to react a certain way and these certain things have to go on. And so it's caused some real angst. It's caused some fear. It's caused some anxiety. It's caused some lack of faith. It's caused all kinds of things, right? And so in John 12, 37, it says, despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This was exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. This was Isaiah's prophecy. Lord, who, believes, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Right? We are in a time where there needs to be some healing. We're in a time where there needs to be some re-emergence uh, of our faith in some things. We're in a time where we may have been separated or disconnected to God in some ways, and we want to reconnect that up, figure out what that looks like now. We've lived under some fear and anxiety and some ambiguity, some anxiousness for the last year, and now we want to, we want to come back and start to make sense, right, of what does this look like now. And Isaiah, that's also repeated in Acts. Um, that prophecy from Isaiah is, is repeated as the, as the disciples start to build the new church, right? And they say, um, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they cannot see, right? And they cannot turn to me and have them heal me. We have to figure out how we're going to turn back to God in everything. So as we look at the places that we've had to turn over the last year, whether it be medicine, whether it be science, whether it be government authorities and right and all the things that have been giving us instruction, how do we make sure God's at the forefront of that? And if he already is, how do we go deeper and help others? And if we've lost a little bit of that thread, how do we get it back? How do we get back into that place where we can go back to turn to God and have him heal us? Because as I've been talking to a lot of you, you're talking to me about these things that you think you're going to do in the next season here that are going to help. And and I'm not saying, you know, throw all that out. What I am saying, though, is that we've got to start with what God tells us to do and then predicate everything on that. And if we don't do that, we're going to find ourselves back in the same place, right? And so predicating it on that, we... It's interesting. I tell you guys, I always have to live something, right, before God lets me preach it. And so as I was thinking about this, what we've gone through for the last year or over a year now is just, it's akin to a deployment. So I think about it a lot. This is what soldiers go through a lot, right? This is this reentry idea is what astronauts have to go through, right? We always see that process of what they have to go through as they come back. Um, We see what prisoners go to, right, as they come out of prison and they have to re-enter. And I'm starting to do some work with some prison ministry stuff, and I'm really seeing that of what that looks like to come back out into a world that looks different, right, isn't normal. You haven't operated in for a while. But, of course, my most personal experience with that is deployment. And I think about this idea of, you know, we would deploy for a year, 15 months at a time, um, to a place where you're 8,000 miles away from everybody you know and love, separated from your family, you don't get to choose, right, your circumstance. It's, it's there, and that's where you operate. Um, things that you're used to aren't available, 
right? You can't just walk and do something. You can't just go somewhere. You can't just run up and hug your friends or your family or, or whatever it is, right? Because they're not there. There is an isolation to it, although we isolate together. We'll, we'll talk about that later, about what that does. But, um, but there's an isolation to it. There's a fear to it, right? When you get off the plane into the deployment zone, you start to live in a sense of fear, a sense of the unknown, a sense of ambiguity, a sense of what's going to happen, right? Same with us, circumstances change, right? Like, well, yesterday it was okay to do this, but then today we're not sure if it's okay, right? And I'm not sure what, what, the, what the rules are sometimes. The Army's a little more structured about it, but um, they, they don't give a lot of ambiguity, but we do have some, right? Because the enemy has a say, right? And in the last year and a half, this virus has had a say. It's had a say in our lives, right? And when we're in a combat zone, the enemy has a say. And so there's some ambiguity to that. And you know what's interesting? I've been deployed multiple times, different roles, but there's times when the deployment's over, and here's what I get. I get three things, right? I get the soldiers who will run over you to get on the plane. I am ready to go home. I cannot wait to see my family. I cannot wait to go to pick your restaurant, right? I cannot wait to sleep in my own bed and not in the dirt on the side of the road, right? I can't wait to not have to shake my boots out and see if there's a snake in there or, you know, whatever. I know. Don't. Stephen, I know. There's snakes and boots in the army. That's right. Stephen's eyes got real big. But so, so you have to do all these, right? You've learned to adapt to this really weird way of life, right? You've learned to have no modesty because everybody's heading for the shower at the same time. You've learned that your clothes are never going to be clean. Not really, right? Because you would wash them in a scrub tub and hang them up and then the dust storm would come. But you still got to put them on, right? So you live in uncomfortable ambiguity, right? Every day. That's how we live. And then so when we get ready to go home, I have the three types. The soldiers who run over you, they're ready. They're ready to go home. They're ready to re-enter whatever it is, right? I'm ready to get off the plane and love on my family and be a dad and be a mom and be a brother, sister, right? Name it. Friend, whatever it is. And they're ready to do that. Then I have the second group, which are a little more reticent, right? I've learned how to live in this environment. I've adapted to it. I understand it. It may not be comfortable, Somebody may be shooting at me, right? There's some definite danger in there, but I've learned to live here. I understand it. It's amazing what we'll adapt to, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Can you guys think back over the last year and think it's amazing what I adapted to that if you had asked me a year and a half ago, I would have said no way would I ever adapt to that, right? It's amazing what we'll adapt to, and so people get comfortable. They get comfortable in the uncomfortable, Right? They get comfortable being isolated from their family. They get comfortable not having the conversations. They get comfortable not being expected to do certain things and not having obligation. Right? It becomes a place of comfort for them. And then I have the third, which are the soldiers I have to go find because they don't want to go home worse than they don't want to do anything. Because now I have to act normal and I don't know how. Now I have to be a person someone else has an expectation of and I don't know how. Now I have to take off my protective gear, right? Because we are essentially protected, right? We have gear, we have a weapon, we have all these things which makes us feel protected. To take all that back and I have to walk around like this, right? Soldiers don't like that because it's very unprotected. I remember the first time I ever felt unprotected. Do you guys remember a few Halloweens ago when we had the guy down at Chambers and Westside Highway with the paintball gun, but we thought it was a real gun, right? So a girl from this church and I were standing on that corner when that happened, and I remember thinking, this is the only time somebody's had a gun in my sight and I'm not protected. I don't have a gun, right? It's a soldier mentality. So they're protected. So now I'm asking them to get on a plane and go home unprotected, emotionally unprotected, 
and physically unprotected. And now some of us are feeling that way, right? You're asking me to get off the COVID deployment and come back into my regular life and I feel unprotected. I don't know how to act. I don't know if I want to go to work. I don't know if I want to go to dinner with you. I don't know if I want to get within six feet of somebody. But the interesting part of it is, is that deep down in your soul, you know you need it. You need what you've given up, right? That's the conversations I had to have with soldiers is deep down in our soul, we know we need to go home. We need to get back to the lives that were intended for us, right? We need to go back and love on our loved ones. We need to get back to those places. But there were soldiers that I had to go find. I remember the day we were getting on the plane, one of my deployments in Iraq, and one of the soldiers said, Specialist Reynolds, I'll never forget him, he's gone. I said, what do you mean he's gone? Like, we're getting on the plane, right? Soldiers are lined up. We're getting ready to go. They couldn't find him. We had to stop everything for two hours, search for that soldier, because he didn't want to go home. I don't know what's there. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can go back to what was before, because I've adapted to this. And although someone's shooting at me, I'm comfortable. But there's a consequence to that, right? There's a consequence to that. I want to talk to you just a second about John 12, 46. I want to read this to you, and then I'm going to talk to you about... In John 12, 46, it says, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. We have to figure out where our light is. You have changed where your light has resided for this last bit, right? Where is the light? What have we done with it? Jesus gave it to us, and now we have to figure out where has it resided for the last year, and what do we need to do with it now? You know, Kara preached to you all on Pentecost last Sunday, and Pentecost is a call to action, right? That's the part of the Bible where Jesus is saying, it's a call to action, let's go. We got to go. And she gave you the blueprint, right, for the way that God laid that out. Not last Sunday, I'm sorry, two Sundays ago. We, we have a call to action, right? Jesus was explaining to the disciples there, how to not live on what the world has has given them, right? Because what happens when you live in the way the world has shaped you, you start to die a very slow spiritual death, right? We have to look at ourselves now and say, where am I in my spiritual walk? Am I starting to die a slow spiritual death because I've lived on a diet of what the world had to offer me for the last year and however long, and I just haven't been able to balance that? right? We can't die a slow spiritual death and not be affected, right? Part of what happens on those deployments is the soldiers die this slow death of normalcy, and then they don't know how to get it back. We've got to guard against that. We have a mechanism for that, right? Jesus tells us that we can't die this slow spiritual death. If we die a slow spiritual death, other things die too. Hope, joy, Expectancy dies, right? Community dies. Ability to be social and love on each other dies. Because it seems normal. It seems normal to not have someone love on you and to not love on them back. I was telling you guys last week in the announcements, this idea of being hugged, I've been hugged more this week than I have in the last year. Man, it changes your physiology. It changes who you are. When you're missing that, There's consequences for that, right? And the most important love and hug you need to get is the one from God. And if we're not leaning into that and finding it, where do I find that? Where's my light? And How do I go back to God with it? Then there's a consequence, right? Just because you went without something from the last year doesn't mean you should. We adapt and we think, but I'm okay. I can do without it. That doesn't mean you should. 
Just because you can, believe me, I've lived a whole lot of my adult life without. That doesn't mean we're supposed to, right? You have to in certain situations. You have to adapt, but you're not supposed to live that way. That's not how God assumed that our lives would be. That's not how he created us, right? You can't assume that what you're doing in the world is going to connect you to God. You have to be deliberate about that. Right? We can follow the guidance and the science and we can be careful and we can do all these things and I got that. I'm all about that. Right? I'll, I'll line up for a vaccine. I don't have any problem with that. Right? So I, I got it. God created science and medicine too and I'm all about that. But where are we connecting up to him on that visceral, internal spot to say, what do I need from you to do next what are you doing that connects you to God? And oh, by the way, what are you doing that in no way connects you to God? What are you bringing in, right? I had a meeting with one of you all this week. She's sitting in here, so I won't call her out, but I'm going to attribute it to her. And, she, and we were sitting across the table from each other, and she said, you know what, Marcy, I need to break up with the world. And I said, yes, we all need to break up with the world. Enough. Enough relationship with all this stuff right? That's feeding that scared, anxious, fearful part of us. That's making us not want to be together. That's making us not want to be close to God. That's making us question God. That's making us question our faith, right? Whether it's intentionally doing it or not, it has that effect. We got to break up with the world. I love that phrase. I was like, me too. I'm going to do that too, right? How many of us have just binge watched every show there is? How many of us can tell me everything that's on Netflix, right? And how fall out? And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. But when you're doing it in place of anything that's feeding your soul, right? Then there's a problem. Where are we feeding our soul, right? So if you feel separate from God, we got to figure out what happened because he didn't move. I'm going to look at my timer real quick so that we're not, yeah, Okay. If your life is so full of the world, where is God, right? It's so easy to blame. I couldn't do it because of this. I can't do it because of this. This happened, this. We got to stop that, right? If someone or something is keeping us from God, right? God tells us right there in, in John, you have to come to me so I can heal that. You have to come to me. He doesn't say anywhere else. There's nowhere else that's given. You have to come to me so I can heal it, right? So talking about this idea of what is normal. We've been talking about this series for a while, right? This rebuilding normal, what is normal? What does normal look like? Well, that's different for everybody. But listen, you are a chosen child of God. It is predicated on the fact that what you need, God has. And if you're skipping that piece, you won't get there. You won't get there. We have to get to what God has for us first. Then you can put your normal back on top of it, right? It's interesting, the last, and I've talked to you guys about the PTSD. I'm not, I'm not going to lie that I don't have some of it, but I will tell you this. I've been deployed many times, spent a lot of time in the Army, and the reason I think I have fared better in some ways than others is because I knew who loved me. God had me no matter where I was. Whether I was over there or here, he had me. He had me through the fear and the anxiety and the coming back home and who the heck am I and what do I do, Right? Listen, when I, we would come back home and somebody would say to me, hey, let's just go have a, a drink somewhere, you know, and talk. Well, I'm sitting in the restaurant looking at the door, like risk mitigation, right? Like, okay, who's coming in there? Anybody who's been with me out knows I don't sit to my back to the door. You ought to see a bunch of army officers try to sit down to have dinner. Nobody wants to sit with their back to the door. And the waitress is like, why are you all lined up looking at me, right? Because we're not sitting with our back to the door, right? So I'm the weird person. 
right? I'm the weird person who's always like, let me mitigate all the risk before we do anything, right? I'll just suck the joy right out of something quick. Yeah. My daughter's like, mom, can we go there? Nope, nope. There's only one exit and I don't see how we could get out of there if we needed to. And, you know, and she's like, you're nuts, right? So it's funny. There's a, there was this trailer for a movie for a while. I think it was, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was The Rock or something. Anyway, they were, the trailer to the movie was Rockefeller Center Ice Rink. And, and the little girl, he was with this little girl, and the little girl said, what do you see when you look out there? Like, all these people are skating, you know, and having fun. He's like, I see no exits. I see, you know, massive uh, safety problem over here. I see, you know, that's me. Like, that's how I look at the world. Where are the exits? What's going on, right? But listen, the way that I mitigated that was to say, I have a God who loves me, who prepared the way before me. He's there. He was there when I walked off the plane in Iraq. He's here when I walk off the plane in New York right? Driving into the city from Newark Airport Saturday night, coming over the ridge, I felt that little surge of adrenaline, because it's New York, right? You got to get your game face on. Got stuff to do here, right? My daughter, the whole, the whole time we've been here, I'm like, come on. And she's like, mom, I can't walk that fast anymore, right? We're, it's a force march through the city, right? Because the city shoves you, right? It shoves you. You got you to gotta get, but, but you know, the, the thing is, God's right there with me, right? He's right there on my 15,000 steps on my phone. We don't do that in Texas. I drive a car around, right? Um, last night I got, I sat down and I was like, man, my feet hurt. It's because, man, we're, we're on a force march through New York City. But, but God's there, right? And he's like, I'll be right there with you. And I'll help you adapt to whatever it is you need to do. I'll help you have these conversations you need to have. I'll help you love on these people I need you to love on. I'll help you receive the love that I want you to get back from somebody. Don't confuse that. It's for both. It's for you to love on and for people to love back on you. How do we get both? We have to balance that right? To get people to, to be able to come in close again. How do we hug? How do we get close to someone again and be able to be in intimate relationship with them again, right? In 1 Samuel, it talks about Saul, and it talks about how he, he gets this tormenting spirit. And his is for a different reason, and that's a different sermon. But I think we have to think to ourselves, where is my tormenting spirit right now? Where do I feel unsettled? Where do I feel tormented? Where do I feel like my light is out? Right? I can't find it. The light is out. I'm not comfortable here. I don't know what to do here. Some people have told me, I'd rather we just stay in lockdown. There's a consequence to that. For you, for your soul and your spirit, there's a consequence to staying in lockdown. That's what I had to tell those soldiers. There's a consequence to staying in a combat zone. Right? There's a, there's a consequence to that. So we have to think about that, right? If we are disgruntled, we will just find other people to be disgruntled with us, right? That is what we have mastered in the last year. That's what I've noticed is people are like, I am disgruntled and I have found a group to be disgruntled with me because I have time to do that, right? And I have time to dig in with them. Now listen, I, everybody's got their different areas where they don't agree with stuff. I'm not saying anything about that. What I am saying though is we need to go to the God who's not disgruntled. We need to go to the God and say, where do I get out of my disgruntled place? Where do I get out of my fear? Where do I get out of my anxiety? right? We've got to go to him. And I've said this to you guys before, Joyce Myers just sticks with me, but she always says, when do you go to the throne instead of the phone, right? So when you're in that unsettled place, when are you going to the throne? Sitting at the feet of your God and saying, I feel uncomfortable. I've been in this place where I've learned to adapt. I've learned to live like this and I'm uncomfortable. And now what do I do? And oh, by the way, not only that, but what is it that you want me to do? Because he has plans for you, right? We're in this season, if we look biblically, right? The season after Pentecost where the disciples were on mission and they're moving and we're doing stuff. And we have, we have work to do. 
So it's not just for you to find out where your light's at and start shining that thing. It's also for the people around you, right? How do the non-Christian population view us, right? If they know you and they know that you serve this God, what are you doing to get your normalcy back? How does that look to them? What light are you shining to them? Because it matters. Don't be confused. This is not an individual sport, right? We have to shine that light to others, too, and say, this is how I'm going to get back. You know, my daughter said that to me in the very beginning of COVID, and I'm sure I said this to you guys, but she said, Mom, what are people that don't have God doing? I was like, man, that's a good question, because we're having a hard time, and we fully have God, right? And we're fully attached up. What are people who don't have God doing? What a great question. I don't know. We got we to pray about that, right? But oh, by the way... And I should have said this, and I guess I'll go back and have the conversation, because God just told me this right now. <laughs> well, you're supposed to show him what to do, bozo, right? So I didn't say that in the conversation. Now God's teaching me while I'm standing up here. He's like, hey, Marcy, your answer should have been, we're going to show him what to do, right? Okay. Um, my teaching moment. I'm going to go to John 15 for a second, because I want you guys to think about this. I want you to think about this idea. This middle part of the Gospel of John is Jesus giving um, wisdom and tools to his disciples as he knows he's going to be crucified and they're going to enter this new area of, of their ministry, right? This new area of their lives. And so in John 15, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they um, have been pruned and purified by the message. I have... Uh, by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Where is your branch connected up? You are a branch. What are you connecting to? Deliberately connected up, right? Where he's telling us right there, we have to break otherworldly attachments and connect to the vine, And you got to think about it tangibly. I want you guys to think about it this week as you're getting up and you're going about whatever you have to do. In the morning, I'm going to connect to the vine. I'm going to connect my branch up. I'm not going to flail out here. I'm not going to be a branch laying over here drying up. Right? When you see a branch fall from a tree, you see what happens? The leaves dry up, the branch dries up, and then eventually somebody picks it up and it goes to wherever, right? I don't know where where all the branches go, Um, right? To To wherever they go. But they're not producing fruit. They're forgotten. They're over there somewhere right? Forgotten. You've got to connect up to that vine so you get what you need in this re-entry phase, right? How do I re-enter? How do I help others re-enter? I connect my branch to the vine. It says right there in John 15. Write that post-it note on your your mirror if you have to in the morning. Go, I'm going to connect my branch up, God. I'm connecting up, right? Jesus was never talking to the disciples just for themselves, right? He was always talking to them for what they were going to do as well. So we have to think about that work. We have to help others find their light, right? We talked about this soldier's reentry. Disciples weren't that different. He was giving them this information to say, you're coming out of one reality into another, right? They were going to come out of being with him and being under his protection and essentially being in ministry with him to now doing it on their own. Right? God doesn't want us to come out of his protection. I don't mean that. But the disciples were moving into this area where Jesus wasn't going to physically be there. You're moving out of an area where you've become really comfortable into something else. And God wants us to move out of that, right? Both are scary. Both are full of unknowns. The reality is not something that we're used to. And the disciples didn't know what was going to happen either, right? They were going out in some hostile territory. You may be entering some hostile territory. I don't know. Right? We don't know. 
but you're not entering it unprotected, right? So we got to figure out where are we, where do we want to be, where is God? Here's where I am in my COVID world, here's where I want to be, and where is God? Where is he at? Where am I connected up, right? Where are my insecurities? Where are my excuses? Where am I comfortable separate from the people and the things of God? Where have you become comfortable separate from the people and things of God? You got to know so that we can then look at what we need to do about that. And all of us have become comfortable separate from the people and things of God in some area. Everybody has. I have to look at that for myself and go, what does that look like, right? Because I'm not here with all of you all the time now. Where have I become comfortable, right? The New Testament church, as we read in Acts, wasn't a drop in and drop out, right? They were all in. We're all in for God, and here's what we're going to do. And I'm going to stay connected up to God regardless of the circumstance and regardless of what's going on, right? If you've lost your faith, well, let's find it. Sounds simple, right? Maybe not, but we can do that together, right? If we've lost our purpose, let's find it. If we don't know what normalcy any is anymore, if we don't know who we are and who we are with God, then let's figure it out. It ought, we ought to go after it like it's our job, right? We ought to go after it on mission. How do I get back to that place with God or get to a new place with him, right? My family looks different. How do I relate? My job looks different. How do I relate? The people that I want to be around have different ideas about things, and some of it's hurtful, and how do I get past that and get with God on that? right? So how do we do that? Relationships have changed. We have to now be on this re-entry with God, right? To say, how do you want me to re-enter? What do you want me to do? What did you stop during COVID? What did you give up? And you've adapted to it. And it's hard to re-engage now, but you want it back. You got to think about it. You have to actually have a conversation to say, here's the problem. Now I'm convinced I don't need it. And God's saying, oh, no, 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 yes, you do. Don't convince yourself you don't need it. Right? we got to be careful about convincing ourselves that we don't need it. The human mind can create a sustainable existence, people, without a whole bunch of stuff. Right? It doesn't mean that that's what God wants us. We've got to have a conversation with him to say, this is where I am, and I've learned to adapt to it. you got to go back to God and go, is this where you want me? Because it doesn't feel right. And I guarantee you, if you're unsettled in your spirit, it's not where God wants you. Right? People will say that to me. I'm really unsettled. I'm wondering if this is where God wants me. No! It's not where he wants you. Right? That gut, I had somebody tell me one time, that gut is the Holy Spirit saying, hello, this is not where I want you. Right? Let's go. Let's move. Right? We are not supposed to be isolated. We are not. I, I read a, a couple of articles this week, one in the New York Times, one in the Wall Street Journal. Karen and I were talking about an article last night. One of them talked about aggressive friendship. It said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue aggressive friendship. Pursue aggressive partnership with God. He will help you with all the other stuff, right? Yes, pursue aggressive friendship. That's great. Make sure that you're conscious about that stuff and that you make effort. But what about pursuing aggressive partnership with God? in this time, and making that where your effort is going, right? Pursuing this aggressive partnership, right? And then lastly, what I want you to think about is what has happened during COVID that you appreciate? What revelations have come up? What realizations that you want to take with you? We're not throwing the whole baby out with the bathwater. Surely there was something that was good, right? Something good that came out of new relationship or a new, a new revelation that you found out about yourself or some things that you were able to heal and get after, Right? It may seem easier to stay where you are, but it's unhealthy. I can promise you that. 
Don't give up the good things, but we need to start to look at the things that have become unhealthy and we've become comfortable with them. It's dangerous, it's dangerous ground, guys, right? Fear, complacency, frustration comes out of those things. When you start to feel those things, you need to say, where am I sitting? What's going on right here? And is it connected up to God? Is it, am I letting him inform it? Right? Is my light buried? That New York Times article talked about all the masks that we wear, which I thought was interesting. Right? We're all starting to take off this mask, but what other masks are we wearing? Psychological masks and mental masks and emotional masks, right? Starting to look at that and go, where do I give those to God? Let God start to take those masks off, right? Is the light buried? We've got to figure out where our branch is connected and where the light is. And I want you all to think about that this week. Go back and read John 15 and say, where is my light? Where am I connected up? How do I re-enter, right, and become normal? Normal, right, whatever that means. How does God want us to act so that we can live fulfilled and peaceful in this time? It's important to have the conversation with yourself and to have the conversation with others, for sure. Listen, if you are not able to come to church in person, try to figure that out because I'm telling you, if you will come in here in person and worship in person, the Spirit will soak you in a way you can't get anywhere else. The music is something I now realize like, oh man, I was missing something. And I listen to it online. It's great. And I'm so grateful that we get to do that. I'm not saying that our worship team can do that. But if you are here and you can bring yourself in here on a Sunday and stand in here during this worship and let it soak you, I encourage you to do that. It'll give you some power that you need, right? However you do that, whatever that looks like. And hopefully soon we'll be able to listen to the worship team and other venues and, and just be able to soak in that whenever we want. But if, if you can get in this church to get hugged, if you can get in this church to sit in the spirit and listen to this music, if you can get in the church to be amongst your family, I encourage you to do that. Don't give that stuff up. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for this family for your word that you are the vine and we're the branches. We've been on this deployment, God, and you know that because you were there with us. You've been on it every step of the way with us. But now we need to get off the plane, out of the deployment, and back to our lives, and we need to know what you want us to do. How do we do that? How do we re-engage family? How do we re-engage friends? From your place of love and understanding How do we re-engage you first before we do those other things? How do we prepare ourselves? We ask that you prepare our hearts. We ask that you prepare the hearts of the people that you want us to be in contact with. Lord, I just ask that everybody connected to this family feels chosen and seen and loved, that they are seen and loved by you and that we as their family here see them and love them in the way that they need to be, that we ask for discernment on that that we seek out these people in our family to spend time with them and to love on them. We seek out hugs. We seek out time in prayer. We seek out time in the word together. I just ask for renewed energy and renewed anointing over every person. Your voice would speak clearly to them that they are chosen by you and that nothing has changed about that. And you are patient in the process to bring them back. We're grateful and we lift this up to you in your son's holy name. Amen.